I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Jacob Marley is dead. This must be distinctly understood, or nothing wonderful can come of the podcast you are about to listen to. Come sailing in on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. I saw three ships come sailing in on Christmas Day in the morning. All right, what do we want our cold open to be? We got to figure something out. Um, let's talk about the movie casting thing as like a way into it, right? Okay. Yeah. Like. Uh, John, throw out a suggestion. Throw out a movie you want to do a podcast about, and then we'll just riff on that for a second and then go into it. Like Planet of the Apes or something like that. Like we could be doing like a Planet of the Apes casting call thing, like for that. But you can't pick Andy Circus to play Caesar, so the whole thing's kaput because yeah. he's Caesar. Like he's that trilogy is so good. Like we we're doing a Apes podcast after this one. That's just. I don't know if it's going to be all the movies or what, but gosh, I like Planet of the Apes. <laughs> yeah, I definitely in the future would love to do something that kind of delves into like com- the kind of a similar conversational podcast, but dealing with like fantasy and sci-fi specifically, like speculative fiction in general and sort of jumping back and forth between different franchises and different films and sort of working our way through that way. You know, it'd be an interesting thing. We're doing the reverse here, which is talking about people we think should play roles. Maybe not the reverse, but a different look on it would be like, what are movies where characters were cast perfectly and did the performance great, but the movie was bad? And I think right away of Paul Giamatti in Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes. Interesting. Yeah. He's amazing in that movie. And there's a lot of good performances in that horrible movie, but like, he is great as like the human trader, like selling humans yeah. and stuff like that. Like great. Which work. as a concept is, is so on the nose. Right. Well, I mean, look, they had that in the original one. It's okay. But like when he, the one bad moment and it's in the trailer and it's like, it's the, I don't know if it's the moment when planet of the apes, the movie jumps the shark, but it's close. Can't we all just get along? And I'm like, no, Ooh. no, Tim Burton, you don't get to do that. You don't get to make that joke. You, Tim Burton, when did he jump the shark, John? He cl- was it apes? Man, could be. Because Finney's in Big Fish. Yeah, that's a great movie. Speaking of a uh, movie starring Albert Finney, this is Jacob Marley is dead. A podcast where we talk about how Tim Burton isn't as good as most people like to think he is, but also we talk about A Christmas Carol. So right around this time, I made the assertion that uh, Big Fish 
was not actually directed by Tim Burton, but was uh, in fact directed by a relative unknown director, and Tim Burton's name was attached to give the film more street credit. Uh, in trying to verify this fact as I was doing my editing process, I could not find the article that I'm now less certain that I read, which made that assertion in the first place. Um, listeners, if you have an article or some source that backs up that claim, please feel free to send it to me because I feel like I'm going a little bit crazy. But here at Jacob Marley is Dead, we believe in as factual reporting as possible. So uh, I'm not going to leave that uh, included without this disclaimer. So um, back to the show, I guess. If you recall... <laughs> Gosh, everyone, James just injured himself. So we're going to take a quick break. I didn't injure myself. I just, I got, I got caught up in my hatred of Hollywood. It's all good. Well, speaking of getting caught up in hatred, let's talk about this ghost hating on Scrooge for a while, because we are returning to Albert Finney's portrayal of Ebenezer Scrooge in Scrooge, the 1970 musical. And we just left off with a really touching moment where Scrooge watched his love walk away from him and he comes back to himself in his room clutching his pillow it's so heartbreaking it really if you see go out of your way just to catch that one moment maybe even it's that moment 57 on youtube go there watch that scene and you can understand why people really hold this movie up even though i have a lot of complaints about this film and i know in the last episode i probably browbeat it a little too much um, I can accept why people love it. And it's those moments right there. Yeah. Yeah. Really touching. And then he sort of like shakes, tries to shake it off. Right. Silly old fool getting all upset over nothing. And then his, his door starts to glow. And those of us who know the story of a Christmas Carol know what's coming because we're going to get our ghost of Christmas present. So Scrooge goes through the door. And there is a spread on, right? Just like you'd expect and seated at the top is a is a classic. I mean, could not be a more classic Ghost of Christmas present in his robe and beard. And he says what I think is the funniest line in the whole movie, which is come here, you weird little man. And that sets the tone for basically how this entire interaction is going to go. This ghost rags on Scrooge for the next 15, 20 minutes of this movie. And I am here for it. He, if the audience has hated Scrooge up to this moment, like I have, they were kind of waiting for it. But the problem is, John, they do all this, you know, you know, Scrooge, you suck beat for 15 minutes. Like you said, right after we see Scrooge broken, hugging that pillow. And I'm like, it's whiplash on my on, on this movie. It's one to ten every scene, and I just I can't catch my break. Though nice work on the door there. The door was actually like a clear door, so like it's shining through like a plexiglass or like whatever. And yeah, it's it, a cool effect. It's a cool effect, and clearly they spent all the money on catering for this scene. I hope somebody ate some of this, or this was all prop turkey because it is a spread. Yeah. Yeah. So you may recall in our last episode, or not our last episode, you may recall in, in discussing the last film that we watched, which was the Alistair Sim one, we're bringing it up once again. Uh, Jimmy and I both kind of disliked the way that they portrayed the Ghost of Christmas Present. We felt that he was a little bit too passive. He didn't really push back at Scrooge the way the one in the book does. And if you could go to the Bizarro universe to find a Ghost of Christmas Present, uh, it would be the one in Albert Finney's Scrooge because we could not be 
pivoting any harder into like a tough love pushing back on Scrooge. And, and they have this song, which again, going back to what I said in the last episode outlines this idea that the problem this Scrooge has is that he has stopped caring about life. He doesn't like life. He doesn't like people. He doesn't like himself. And that's his problem to overcome is finding joy in life, which is why the, the lyrical geniuses who wrote this movie wrote an entire song called I like life. And John, they sing this song. I like life while drinking from the cup of humanity or the spirit of humanity. Okay. Yeah. So they're, they're drinking from these like giant golden goblets, which the spirit says is full of the milk of human kindness. The milk red. of yeah. human kindness, which is red, which it's definitely also just like booze. And the milk of human kindness is booze. <laughs> And Scrooge is getting blitzed. And where in other versions of A Christmas Carol, light is the thing that Scrooge needs into his life. And light is uh, represented by um, the Ghost of Christmas Past has, uh, what is it? He's carrying a lantern or a... No, it just is light. Like the Ghost of Christmas Past gives off light. Yeah. So like light is a big thing in this story. But the consumption of alcohol is not. And I really really hate this choice in this movie i hate the idea that all scrooge needs to do is get drunk and celebrate christmas off his ass and like no this is a bad choice so i i want to push back a little bit because i think it's it's a metaphor right it's not it's not literal like he's he's literally getting drunk but i feel like the thrust of this song is Scrooge basically says to the spirit, like, I hate life. And the spirit's like, ha, that's ridiculous. No, you don't. Life is great. And the song is about all of the things that are great about life. And it's music and laughter and it's food and it's drink. So I think that, yes, in this scene, Scrooge is drinking wine. And there's a couple other places where the spirit's like, hey, you're getting cranky. Let me give you a top off. But it's not showing me what's great about life, John. It's not showing me those examples, right? There's no there's no walking amongst the people. There's no visiting. The... Well, isn't that what happens when he with like the Cratchits and with his nephew? Like, aren't those but, the but examples of like how great Christmas that they is? Like life. They're telling me I, that life is something to do, live. And all I see while they're telling at me about this is two guys getting drunk. And at this point, Scrooge has not been on the journey where I think that he should be at this moment, right? Scrooge should be ready to change at this moment. He has seen the wreckage of his life and he is ready to make a change. This Scrooge is very much not ready for that change. So the I like life thing, the only thing he's got to go on is eh, getting drunk with this beardy guy is okay. Bad, bad yeah. movie. Yeah, it, it, so... I- there's a repositioning, right? Because this is not, this Scrooge is not on the same journey that a lot of Scrooges are on, right? This Scrooge's journey is he's got this unhappy past and it has caused him to kind of hate life. So now the ghost of Christmas present has to show him like life is good. This is, this is my thing. Life is good. So I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you drunk on this human kindness, right? This idea, which, okay. Then we're going to go flying through a window and crash land in the snow, which is also hilarious. Like in a vacuum, this this is a hilarious character. This character is very funny. If you can divorce it from like maybe not liking the way it's portrayed. And then we're going to go see the Cratchits enjoying life. 
Well, that's fair. And look, we are getting back and we are getting back to pretty much what the ghost of Christmas present does, which is the journey, you know, introduction. But we don't get that scene where he walks the streets with Scrooge. Mm -hmm. And that is the humanity that Scrooge needs to see on display for a lot of reasons, especially in this movie. Okay, because we go pretty dark later on in this movie in a very comical and hilarious way, but it's extremely we see a dark side of humanity in this movie. Yeah, we don't see the Father Christmas, which is basically the ghost of Christmas present is the is Father Christmas leading Scrooge through the streets. They're being charitable. There's a fight that's going to break out, but I'm not going to let it because my spirit's too strong and the holiday's going to see us through. There's none of that. There's let's get drunk, crash in some snow, and here's Bob. So do you think that if you took I Like Life, the song, mm-hmm. completely unchanged, but instead of it just being Scrooge and the spirit drinking in his house, if you had that be like they're walking through the streets and seeing all the people celebrating Christmas and Scrooge is actually seeing it, is that a better version of this? Because I'm feeling like it is. When I saw this scene start with like, I like life. My brain went to who will buy from Oliver. I was like, this is it. This is the big budget dance scene we've been waiting for because he's going to sing this stupid. It's a stupid song, but it's a, but it's, it's what we've got, but this is going to be the seed that leads to I like life. I, uh, I work as a butcher. I like life and it's all well for me. I'm like what? I don't remember the song itself because it was that bad, but like everyone will sing about like the hardships of life, but getting to the holiday and like, it's hard. It's a hard life, but there are moments to celebrate and the holidays are one of them. Nope. <sighs> no, yeah. we don't get yeah. that. It would have landed better if we had that so- same song, same song, dance breaks, huge. Yeah. Make it, make it a big thing. Yeah. Huge. Who will buy scene from Oliver? And again, we think they're trying to go after Oliver here, like with because it was only 68. The musical didn't come out that many years before that in the West End. So we know they're influenced by Oliver. That's clearly what they're trying to do here. They want that Oscar. Where's the scene? I know where it is. And it's in the most completely, totally wrong moment of the movie. And that's why it's awesome. But it should have been here. This should have been the feel-good moment of the movie. And because it's not that, and I think, John, the reason why I I really hate the drinking, it's because we don't have any other examples to go with it. And so that's why. Ah! So speaking of drinking, they crash land in the snow and look through the Cratchit window, and the Cratchits are getting lit. (laughs) So Bob, Bob Bob has made his punch, and he is parading around the house, giving his gin punch to his, like, wife and, and small children. Um, really, really enjoying it. Yeah, Bob Cratchit here is giving the gin to all the kids and they're toasting it and he's making his dad jokes. And I tell you, they don't land as well when it's not some schlubby dad. This guy is too pretty to be a dad. Justice for schlubby dad Cratchit. Um, yeah, so as, as as we discussed previously, Jimmy is not a fan of the casting choice. I think I think it's all right. If you're doing a musical, I don't know that he's necessarily the way that I would cast a Bob Cratchit Personally, I don't I didn't think it was like the most egregious thing. I, I think it's more egregious when you compare him to Fred, Fred. And we'll get into that in another second. But yeah, Fred feels a little bit more working class. Yeah. And this and this guy, I don't see the hardship on him. 
even in the harder moments coming up, like I don't get it here. I don't like yeah. this, Bob. Um, so this is definitely um, basically a word for word from like the te- the the original text for the most part. Um, we do get a really funny moment where Bob like simps for the one percent, and he's like, "Oh, Mister Scrooge paid for all the food." Um, but, but okay. what a sucker! Okay, here's the thing about Bob Cratchit: he cannot talk back to Scrooge, and he can only confide quietly to his wife, right? But he has to know the truth. He has to know who Scrooge is, right? He's too dumb of a Cratchit here in this scene. Like, he has to know who Scrooge really is. And if he doesn't know that, then he's an idiot and he's being taken and he's had, right? Bob Cratchit's strength is knowing how difficult life is and he keeps going. Bob Cratchit is Sisyphus pushing that boulder up the hill day in, day out. But he's got to know that he's pushing the boulder up the hill. Yeah, he's kind of like a um, he's got a little bit of like flim flam energy. Like, again, I think that I I have to look up and see when Chitty Chitty Bang Bang came out, because he's definitely got a Caractacus Potts thing going on where everything is a story. He's playing everything up. Right. I said to the Lord Mayor that if Her Majesty needs a good drink, she should come down here to Camden Town and we'll show her a good time. Like. Definitely pushing that pretending we are not poor thing to a far extreme. And this leads up to them asking Tiny Tim to stand up and sing a song. And Tiny Tim sings, you know, store brand uh, who will buy or or where is love or whatever that song is from Oliver. And it's they, a very nice song. They put the weight on this song. And I think there's a good moment to talk about this Tiny Tim. This is a good Tiny Tim. That's not given a lot to do. I mean, he's given a song, yeah. but they really don't highlight the God bless us everyone moment. They don't repeat it yeah. at the end, which is a which is another knock on this movie. You really should yeah. do both. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, but what this tiny Tim has going for him is he is sincere. He's a real kid. There's a moment coming up later. I'm like, good. He should feel that way in that moment because that's what's going on. But what I like here in this scene is the connection he's having with his younger sister. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I, well, I mean younger sister, the younger of the sisters. I don't know if yeah. this is younger than Tiny Tim or about the same age as Tiny Tim. But there's yeah, a the, conne- the little girl character that they added that's like his his sort of counterpart in this. His buddy, his buddy. Yeah. And I like that because when kids are kind of around the same age, regardless of their role in the family, if you've got two cousins who are about the same age, there's kind of like a brotherly bond there or you know, a sibling bond. And that's what I, and they are siblings, but like they're about the same age. Tiny Tim needs some help from time to time. And I kind of like, I kind of like their dynamic. It's, it's just hinted at, but I like their relationship in this movie. I don't like the fact that Ron Weasley is sitting there at the Cratchit table. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, the older brother. He, he just, he looks a little bit too much like Ron Weasley for me. Like, I'm like, I'm, I'm getting, you're cross, you're crossing the streams here, you know, cross modulation. And I don't need, I don't need, why is Ron Weasley? There? <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. It just, he looks yeah. just like, him. so there's this. Um, song. Yeah. So tiny Tim sings like a song and we're like, Oh, it's so sad that he's going to die. And Scrooge asks, so they're walking away from the house and and the spirit says, so in in the original text, there are a couple of moments where the spirit sarcastically throws things back at Scrooge that Scrooge has said. And this 
once again, the spirit really pulls that to an extreme. So walking away, the spirit's talking about like, oh, what a nauseating child. Isn't there? There's nothing worse than the sound of children singing, is there, Scrooge? And clearly giving voice to like kind of uh, uh, the worst version of Scrooge's inner narrative. And Scrooge asks him, like, is Tiny Tim going to live? Another great line from the spirit where he's like, what is this? You caring about a sick child? Have you taken leave of your senses? It's... Uh, really good stuff the way i th- i think that the way that this spirit is written is one of my favorite things in this movie obviously like the song he has is kind of dumb and there's a moment that's a little bit of a disappointment later but his dialogue with scrooge is hysterical it's so funny like i was laughing out loud watching it earlier today i like this moment the best of this ghost of christmas present i think it's a great version of the line delivery especially of the repeating of scrooge's words well if he's gonna die then he better go ahead and do it the camera cuts at the beginning of that line from looking at uh, the ghost. And then when it's being thrown back at Scrooge, it switches to a POV. So we're looking down at Scrooge from the Ghost of Christmas Presents uh, POV. And he's pointing the finger at Scrooge, literally. And I'm like, good. Okay. Yeah. Well, well yeah. done. Took a long time to get there, Ghost of Christmas Present, but... You got there in the end, and it's coming up. It's almost midnight here, buddy. So uh, yeah, we gotta keep this yeah. train rolling. So we uh, we <laughs> we move along to um, the oh. house of Scrooge's nephew for that sequence, and uh, there's a really nice the way that they cut from the Cratchit house to Fred's house really highlights the class divide. I thought was really nice, like similar kinds of decorations, but like the poor crappy like Christmas streamers and tree in the Cratchit house kind of mirrors the way in which the really nice ones are set up in Fred's house. So it's this movie doesn't deal a lot with the socioeconomics of the society as much compared to like the Alistair Sim version, which I think definitely does. The book definitely does. But this is a moment where you do get to see that on display. And then we find out bafflingly that it that Scrooge's nephew is not named Fred in this. His name is Harry. Did you catch that? That is why I was confused. Okay. Cause I was like, I thought it was Fred, but it's Harry. Okay. So yeah, we have no. another name. We have another name change for no fr- weirdly, even more arbitrary in this version. Like what is the difference between Fred and Harry? Why, why would we make this change? John? Okay. I'm going to go off on a diatribe here. Cut this if you want, but there are producers. I made fun of it last time that are just on these projects, Hollywood, BBC, across the board. They're just assigned to it. And to make themselves feel like they have done something, they make arbitrary choices for stupid reasons to feel like they've earned a paycheck. A famous example of that is Bruce Banner on the Incredible Hulk TV show. His name on that show is not Bruce Banner. It's David. It's D- David Banner, right? It's David yeah. Banner. And it was changed because some producer somewhere thought that the name Bruce Banner sounded gay. Regardless of that craziness right there, it's just a. St- Why would you change the name for any reason? Like, that's a stupid reason. But, like, this is another example of producers feeling like they just need to do something to justify their job. I don't like it. I'm not here for it. He's Fred. Last movie, she's still Belle, and we're moving on. Yeah, so we're John. We're, we're moving on. Here, <laughs> we're two movies in now with with character names sullied, and it's a very very strange choice that he's just he's going to be Harry in this, Harry? and that's so and that's a, the end of it. 
So, okay, it's not Harry Scrooge. Okay, so that's the thing. It's not Fred Scrooge either, but it's not Harry Scrooge. Yeah, no. Do we know Fred's last name? He wouldn't be Scrooge. No, we don't. It wouldn't be Scrooge in either case. Um, So Harry, apparently, is giving this speech um, talking about how, oh, yeah, my Uncle Scrooge. And he said, like, Christmas was a humbug. And he's like, oh, yeah, he's an old miser. It's fine. And all of his friends are laughing. And Scrooge comes in and he's, like, back to his old, like, crotchety grouchy self and the spirit's basically like hey scrooge you're coming down come get another hit of this milk of human kindness that's the (laughs) thing that's the freaking thing he's not learning he doesn't learn in this damn movie he just gets talked at right and then drinks some stuff and then the third act happens i don't see the i don't see scrooge learning now You could argue that that is more realistic, that people really don't change that quickly. And that's fine. But if you're telling me that these are ghosts, okay, supernatural creatures, that anything is possible, then somebody could do that in one night because the spirits could do it in one night. Scrooge could be living a lifetime in these sequences and he doesn't even know it, but emotionally he's going through this journey and it doesn't happen at one scene he's crying on the bed like you wouldn't believe and the next scene he's like i still hate people hey get drunk maybe you'll be happy (sighs) do do you think though okay so so allow me to offer a counterpoint do you think though that in some way it's it's more realistic to say that people's personalities take a lot of work to change and that scrooge in the novella the change i always felt comes a little bit on the easy side. So I almost like the idea of a Scrooge that makes progress and then relapses and makes progress and relapses throughout the night. And if you, and if so I know that the the idea of it being like, Oh, here, get drunk and then you're fine. But like, again, I feel like that's a metaphor for like, you have to let this kindness inhabit your heart a little bit. Take a moment before you fly off the handle and listen to what the man has to say. And I think Albert Finney playing it a little bit drunk doesn't help that argument. Playing the whole part drunk. I swear, I thought he was drunk the entire time as Scrooge. Like, I like, I get the choices he's making, but I really did think he was just drunk a lot of the time. Here. Yeah, he's playing it very arch. And, but there is no, I get it, John. But in this, this, this story has such a natural arc. You begin at one point, and over the course of the story, Scrooge has to lighten up naturally. Now, you could have, Moments where he still has, it's not that he can't have moments where he's still like himself, like where he was before he went to sleep and this is all a dream. He can have those moments, but it has to be along a natural progression to where he'll be by the Mm -hmm. end of it. And I don't see it here. I don't see that. I see regret, but I don't see him learning a damn thing. And I, it, it annoys me. As much as this damn game they play at this party annoyed me because I wanted to play it so much because they all suck at it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we we kind of flash forward in the party and and after Harry says that ultimately he really likes Scrooge and he hopes that like one of these days he'll come to the Christmas party and then the spirit gives Scrooge a little bit more to drink so that he can chill out for 2 seconds and enjoy himself. Um which, again, it's a little bit like Bell trying to get him to take himself less seriously, if you think about it. 
that's fair, but Bell wasn't, you know, just saying shut up and drink your uh, milk of human kindness. Well, know? but isn't that what she was giving him? She was being kind to him. Okay, but sh- show don't drink. All right, like I need, <laughs> I need examples of Scrooge being nice. I like now the party scene is that. Well, no, it's not. It's not that Scrooge is being nice. It's that people are being nice to Scrooge, and I think that that I think that that milk of human kindness idea is like people are people will be nice to you if you allow them to be if you choose to take it in maybe that maybe it's a stretch okay you know that opens up a whole other can of worms like i don't even want to go down that route john but like in my mind it's it's a very unique version of the scene getting back to this scene here because we never get the what am I scene. Oh yeah, they don't they don't play the game where they out Scrooge as being a jerk. No, we, we all that happens here is his Harry builds up Scrooge. Like, you know, he he says why he does what he does. He actually says it's like if I, you know, if I'm nice to him once a year, even though he's such a horrible person, that makes me a nice person. No, but moving away from that, it's everything from that is actually a good experience for Scrooge. He's watching the party. He's enjoying yeah. the party. He maybe he's loosened up a little bit because he's drunk, but by the end of the party, he's got a grin on his face, scary as it may be, but he's got a grin on his face and he's really, really, really happy. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. So he's, he, is really enjoying it. And there's this moment where, I mean, this is Albert Finney again, in terms of just acting ability, this is where his golden globe is because all the party guests are leaving the party after they've played this game. And he's like basically standing next to Fred saying goodbye to all the people. And then he like kind of falls into this reverie where he's like remembering like, Oh, this reminds me of like the parties we used to have at Fezziwigs. And like, we haven't had a Christmas like that in forever. And then the sadness and like that missing bell comes back to him. But I think there's a different energy to it here where I think now it's not like I made this horrible mistake and I can't take it back it's i feel like in this moment it's him realizing this is what did this to me like i lost this whatever this is this feeling no that's great and finney really sells that and sells that emotion and any scene where finney is by himself and is given good material he knocks it out the park he really does you know i might have some questions with some of the choices but emotionally He's amazing. And just he, so he's he's at the end of the party. Like you said, he's realizing this and he turns away from it. Right. Almost out of shame, in a sense. And then he's immediately in the streets. You yeah. don't know he's in the streets, but if yeah, you're it's watching, a cool. It's a really good it's a, transition. It's again, this movie isn't garbage. There's a lot to like applaud and a lot to like here. And I can see why people think it's great. But when it, but I just feel like it, it misses the mark because it swings for the fences so much. But there is skill in this movie. There is whomever did the cinematography for this should have been nominated. Like that was a great scene. And in 1970, that's pretty, that's pretty nice and out there and a good moment. What's not great is what shows up right after. Okay, so the the end of the Ghost of Christmas present is is much different from the text because basically the cruise the ghost of christmas present walks him home and and gives him this kind of remember scrooge 
we only have so much time and before you know it you're not there anymore which is heralding that he's going to die but we also lose so we don't get that ignorance and want scene which is a pretty pivotal moment in the text where the ghost reveals ignorance and want now and here's why i think that happened i'm curious what your thoughts are as well um i think that this happened because this movie has less to do with Scrooge has to be a charitable person and has more to do with Scrooge has to deal with his hurt and learn to love life again. I think that's fair. I think that is, I think that's, that's fair. I also think it's more of a children's movie. I mean, I know it's a Christmas Carol and it's Christmas Carol is meant for kids, but there are some that are definitely aiming for kids more than others. And, and I know there are other moments that happen in this movie. You're like, what, this was meant for kids. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in a second. (laughs) 1970s children's movies are all over the place, okay? Nobody knew what was going on in Hollywood. And I know this isn't a Hollywood production, but this is in that same period. This is the end of the big um, traveling musical movie, um, which was something that was on the way out. Uh, Even before the 1970s, it was out. I mean, this is 1970. The 1960s, was a death march of big budget movie musicals. And it was only because of Mary Poppins, Oliver, and uh, The Sound of Music that it kept on going and also the critical success of uh, West Side Story. But because of those movies, you still got things that looked like Seven Brides for Seven uh, Brothers in 1969. Like you still like that movie didn't come out that year, but like you still got things that looked like it. And that's how you get hello Dolly and um, uh, Dr. Dr. Doolittle and like all these like really weird looking musical movies meant for kids, but not. And who's the target audience for this? And that's where I think like this movie falls into. It's like they don't want to show that weird scene because they don't know how kids are going to interpret that. And they also, I'll be honest, I don't think they knew how the adults would interpret that either. So if kids couldn't get it and the adults can't get it, it's cut. And I think we're going to yeah. see this scene cut more times than not. I think we'll probably be able at the end of the day when this podcast ends, John, be able to count on our hands the amount of movies that include that scene. Yeah, I'll be interested. I'll be very interested to see because it definitely, I think it would tonally not work super hot Mm -hmm. in this version because of the way that they've done it up until this point. I miss it, especially because overall, I really like this Ghost of Christmas present in general. Like, I really like his his dialogue. I like the way he plays the part. I think it would have been interesting to see him make a swing from, like, the kind of... He almost feels like a Monty Python character, right? Like, he feels like a pair of character John Cleese would play a, on in a Monty Python movie. But I feel like it would be interesting to see him make a swing into something really serious at the end. But instead, it kind of cuts away from him to Scrooge once again in his room. And once again, starting to deny that what he's experiencing is real. So every ghost from transitions back to reality right afterwards he's right back in the bedroom this is the strongest argument i think of all the things we've read or watched so far for the dream and yeah it's my least favorite version of all three but still um i was actually hoping there wouldn't be that i was hoping what was going to happen was we weren't going to get any more of the ghost of christmas present we were going to go right from the party right think about this scene for a second you go right from the party 
right to the street, boom, goes to Christmas future. Which is usually what happens. That was what happened in right. Alistair Sim, right? right? That's what happens in the book. Right. In the like, book, he's just kind of left out and the spirit shows up. So he doesn't get to go back to his room. No, he doesn't go back. To, and I'm, but no ghost of Christmas present either. Like he's just walking along really sad. And then we don't need an exit for the ghost. Ghost of Christmas future is right there. Instead, we get another example of why this needed to be in black and white. Before we can do that, however, we need to pay our clerk. So stick around for this quick ad break and we will be right back. If I stopped you half a crown for it, you'd think yourself who you is, wouldn't you? Hmm? But you don't think me ill used if I pay a day's wages for no work, do you? Tears hmm? only once a year, sir. It's a poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. Hi, everybody. If you're anything like me, you've been listening to podcasts pretty much as long as podcasts have been a thing. And you've always dreamed that one day you would find a topic you were really passionate about and you would make that dream podcast yourself. Unfortunately, in today's day and age when everybody and their mom and their mom's dog has a podcast and there are so many different podcast hosting platforms to choose from, it can be a little bit difficult to find something that fits both your needs and your budget. And that is where Anchor comes in. If you are someone just breaking into the podcast scene and you're looking for a place to uh, get started hosting your podcast, Anchor is a great choice. For starters, it's totally free. There's no charge to host the files that you need for your podcast. It also has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. So if you're someone who hasn't broken into using GarageBand or Audacity or a more professional program to record your podcast... Anchor has all of the tools you need to record right from your phone or computer. Anchor also provides seamless distribution to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many other podcast platforms, so it's really easy for you to reach a broad audience. If you're looking to monetize your podcast, you can do so with no minimum listenership through Anchor. Just record an ad and put a sponsorship segment in your show, and you're good to go. It's everything that you need to make a podcast right in one place. If you want to get started recording that podcast you've always dreamed about today, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Are you fascinated by true crime like us? If so, check out our podcast, Crime Divers, hosted by me, Jill. And me, Laura. Look out for new episodes every Tuesday when we discuss true crime from around the world. So what are you waiting for? Come join us as we dive in. Yeah, so Scrooge gets up and he's like kind of fussing around and and stomping around and like, uh, this isn't real, giants aren't real, none of this is real, it's all humbug. And he walks into like an adjoining room and the ghost of Christmas future is standing there basically looking like his curtains. Like the robe is the same color, it's the same kind of profile as his curtains. Um, More gray than black. Yeah, is it, was that just like the, the film quality? Possibly. I mean, black, true black is hard to film, but you've got to, John, you've, you've got to, you, you've either got to have the ghost of Christmas future be in all black, or if it's not all black, have something visually interesting. Like, yeah, it's not the most interesting and it's, it's, it's face is shrouded. So it's, it's like hooded. It's a very tr- like 
their kind of robe. This is not the the scariest version of this. The ghost. only thing I w- there's a moment with it that is very scary, <laughs> which we'll we'll talk about. But like other than that, it's it's an okay version of this ghost in terms of its its. Appearance. I don't know this for a fact, but maybe they were going for period on all of these, like. Ghost of Christmas present is very much in keeping what would have been like a a period accepted Father Christmas type of garb at that moment. Right. Even though we see a more modern version later on and we've already seen it in the uh, street scene. Um, Yeah. And of course, we have the Victorian Ghost of Christmas past. So maybe this robe is like what that would have been at that time period. It does look very period because there's like this weird like across the shoulder design for the hood. Like it's. Almost like a monk's yeah, robe or something. Yeah, like it's it's not it's not a Holocaust robe to use uh, the verbiage from a princess bride. You know, like right. it's not what I would have. I imagine just a straight up larger, darker version of what a monk would wear. This is something else. You know, yeah. and it's it's yeah, it's it's okay. Yeah. Um, so we we cut to what I would argue is the best scene in this movie is. Which oh yes, um, yes there's like yes, a, a a flash there's a flash of lightning and and we do get Scrooge kind of like he he does that like listen if you have something to show me show me one time he does um, it. it's the one time yeah that he has stock in this and wants to change before the end yeah and the the flash of lightning brings us to the soup guy from the beginning of the movie. And he's kind of like spit shining the little brass Scrooge and Marley sign outside of the door. John, it's Tom and the soup guy. It's Tom the Tom, soup guy. Tom. <laughs> Tom the soup guy. Like, you know Tom the I soup forgot. guy. I feel like I had his name written down. Classic Charles Dickens character, Tom the soup guy. Um, and, to, and to be <laughs> fair, Tom the soup guy had more of a moment there than just pay me something he fed scrooge he got broth from tom the soup guy he's kind of like he has a little bit of a scene there so it's like oh, i did remember this character when we got but yeah. finney does a point like hey that's tom I, he owes me six pennies yeah i know that amount now by the now, back of my hand <laughs> yeah right so the tom the soup guy is 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 standing on the step of Scrooge's counting house with a huge crowd of people. I mean, there are hundreds of people there. And he's basically talking about how this is a tribute to our our good friend, Mr. Scrooge, and the wonderful gift that he's given us today. And I think that anyone who knows this story knows that Scrooge has given them a gift by dying. Albert Finney's Scrooge's blissfully unaware of this so he's looking around the crowd and he's saying like oh these people all owe me money it turns out that they love me and i never knew it because all the people are cheering to this vague speech that tom the soup guy is giving where he he never quite comes out and says scrooge is dead he's just obliquely referencing some great thing that scrooge has done for them he the movie goes out of its way to let you know that it's because scrooge is dead but also to make sure that Scrooge does not know it's about him. And it's actually some yeah. pretty good choreograph. It's yeah. some pretty good because choreography here in where Scrooge is in relationship with what's about to come out of uh, his own place of business. Great shot. Best shot in the movie. Almost. Yeah. It, Did So I, this is actually might be a little bit of a plot hole. Why is his 
coffin coming out of his business because he doesn't live at his business. I think sometimes, I mean, funerals were very different back in the day. Not that I'm an expert, but you would set up a coffin in a some place where everybody could come and pay their respects. So a lot of times it would be a house. It would be your own house. Um, but sometimes for someone of note, they would set it up in a public place. So I'm wondering if this thing was set up there and everybody came by and spat on Scrooge before they left the place for the last time. That's interesting. I didn't think about that. Because basically what happens is they they bring Scrooge's coffin out and everybody is cheering and they're like maneuvering his coffin through the crowd. And Albert Finney has has kind of once again doing that thing where Scrooge doesn't realize that nobody can see him is standing up with Tom the soup guy giving a speech to the crowd and the crowd is reacting to the coffin coming out, but it looks like they're reacting to like Scrooge giving this magnanimous speech. And then Tom starts to sing. Thank you very much, which is the song that got this movie an an Oscar nomination. It is definitely like the best song in this movie. It's, it's the, you know, consider yourself or whatever like your big show-stopping number excellent choreography it's the about scrooge being dead <laughs> if this was the same quality of song throughout the musical this would have been a much better movie the songs really do drag it down in the other scene but this is yeah just good enough to great like it's there are some great moments in this, but it's not a great song, but it's just good enough that you a remember it and b sells everything it's trying to sell. Like this is dark. Let's really think about it. Like yes, they can, you know, they talk about this in the original book. They talk about this novella where it's like Scrooge's death will bring joy to people. But yeah. it's two it's a couple in a house just kind of like, you know, I, you know, begrudgingly accepting it as like a moment of happiness. Not this scene. They are tap dancing on his coffin. They are. Yeah. Tom, the soup guy dances, dances on his coffin as it rolls down the street. And the whole time Scrooge is in the crowd, but he can't see the coffin. He can't see it. So it's all like, just, yeah, look at all these people singing my praises. But that's also this scene's problem. He never gets the realization at the end of the scene. Well, I mean, I think he does when he realizes he's dead, right? I don't. I mean, look, it never explicitly makes the connection between the two. That's the problem. That is the problem. Why it this scene would have much more. I I love it. And this is my favorite scene in the movie uh, music number in the movie. But it would just and I don't know how you do it because you don't want unless. He okay, so th- let's come back to this. But they're walking through the streets, they're singing, you know, they're happy Scrooge is dead. Scrooge is following them, and we pass the Cratchit's house, right? And then we get our traditional has Tiny Tim died scene. Yeah. And which yeah. is kind is kind of what happened. So like this the ghost of Christmas future is very truncated. Oh. Like his his time with the ghost of Christmas future, which is a pretty short part of the book is very short in this because basically it's 90% of it is. Thank you very much. This gallows humor kind of song. And then the ghost takes him right to the graveyard and we see Bob Cratchit 
kneeling over Tiny Tim's grave and we hear Tiny Tim's song kind of playing in the background, letting us know that he's dead. And Scrooge is sad about this for uh, two seconds, right? He's like, poor Tiny Tim. And then he turns to the spirit and he's like, so anyway, what happens to me? Which really frustrated me. I think this was a moment where I thought this script was a real letdown because, again, it's like if you underplay Scrooge's feelings about Tiny Tim and make it all about him, has he really learned anything or is it just self-preservation? Which is why, in a second, what happens kind of has to happen in a weird way, which it shouldn't be the goal. You shouldn't have to have the extreme fourth ghost have to come up. But we'll get to that. My, my thinking is, John, imagine the parade is going on Scrooge pans over, right? He sees the Cratchit family and is like, oh no, where's where's Bob? Right? And he go and Scrooge, not the ghost, goes to the graveyard, sees Bob crying over the grave. Then he has what has happened to Tiny Tim. And then think about this for a moment. The parade finally gets to the graveyard. And they oh, so he sees, he his, own sees his own funeral and you could have some jokes there. You could have some of the lines from the party game happen there. Like you could have all this, but you don't reveal who it is yet. And then they lower it in. They put one thing of dirt on top of it and they spit on it as they leave and they get the heck out of there. And that's when he realizes it's, it's, it's him. I, this script needed another draft. And I, I need, and some choices need to be unmade and some choices need to be made. And this movie, what gets right is really good, but what gets wrong is really, really bad. And that's an example of it. Yeah. So basically he, like he turns around and sees like the open <sighs> grave with his headstone there. Standard so paint by presumably. Pre- yeah. So, pres- pre- and nothing wrong with that, but like, presumably but the, not- the, 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 but it's not earned. And that's why it's bad. If you do paint by yeah. numbers, Christmas Carol, and you have earned that moment, I don't care if it's beat by beat exactly what happens in the novella. But if you haven't earned that. So Scrooge looks down into the grave and 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 the spirit is standing behind him and he's like begging, begging like, oh, this no, this can't be like I need more time. And he turns around and Skeletor has appeared. <laughs> so- <laughs> Scrooge. <laughs> With your money, I can finally get Castle Grayskull. <laughs> I will buy the deed. <laughs> I don't even have to put in a sound drop. That was great. It was, and it's a bad skeleton. Like, it's not even just straight up a skeleton in the robes. It's a weird thing. But then. Yeah, it's a vaguely skeletal mask. So then, then we get Scrooge in trying to escape from the skeleton that has appeared behind him falls into the grave and falls down an incredibly long and harrowing tunnel to hell. Yeah. And, and I think that the movie should have cut right here personally. Oh, you mean they shouldn't have double dipped into the 1970s Italian horror movie aesthetic? Cause we get the best shot of the movie. It shouldn't be in this movie, but there's an amazing silhouette shot of Scrooge in a coffin with a red light yeah. underneath and it's beautiful but yeah. but should not be here 
Yeah, this is really frustrating. So I remember I remember when I saw this movie as a kid thinking it was really cool that this was here because I was like, oh, this wasn't in the book. Like, oh, look at Scrooge's in hell. And that's Scrooge's in hell. And it's a very like it's red. It's a cave. He touches the wall and it's hot. There's nothing inventive about it, really. It's just Scrooge's in hell and it's very empty and we talked when we were when we were discussing the novella about the way that the way hell is kind of portrayed in in the story is that it is this ceaseless wandering seeing the things that you can't do to help your fellow man and we had talked about how that was like a really unique and interesting take and this is disappointing in that not only did we not really get that at the beginning of this movie but we also get a very conventional hell and i get that it's the 70s so it's not like anyone was reinventing the wheel on like how to depict hell in movies but it's a little bit like oh i i like the color choices here i like the extremes i like that it gives another worldly feel there are subtle details. If you look at the walls, there are faces carved in, or like either coming through the rock or yeah. carved into the rock. Maybe there are older souls, but it's why is hell? Yeah, here? visually, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's like why is hell here? It's more in concept that like hell is, you know, yeah, hell is red, fiery underground, like just like every version of no. hell. And then bad, bad choice. Jacob Marley shows back up. Yeah. Right? So we get this weird bookend with Jacob Marley. And so this is another thing that I find really frustrating is, is so this, in this moment, Jacob Marley is really cold to Scrooge. Right? And I get, well, and I guess Scrooge is in hell. There's nothing Marley can do for him anymore. He gave him his chance and he blew it. Right? But Marley is kind of making fun of him. It's weird. And when Marley goes to Scrooge, it's an act of kindness that he's been trying to do day in, day out since, as far as we know, since he's died. He's been trying to get to Scrooge. Here, it's like, you know, I was told I had to try to make this right for you like one time, but you screwed it. So, (laughs) and he's like, he's gleefully walking through the afterlife. And be like, yeah. you're in here now with me. And hey, Lucifer has been talking you up. Like, he's really excited you're here. Like, not abstract. Lucifer, Satan, is down the hall. Yeah. And guess what, Scrooge? You're doing the books for him from now on. Yeah. So, and yeah, it's it's very, it is, we, you specifically pointed this out, that like hell in A Christmas Carol is not Dante's right. Inferno where there are, where, or it's not like the, the Sisyphean thing of like your punishment fits the crime no. in hell. But in this version, Scrooge's personal hell is literally, he has to be the clerk for the devil and he will be in the only cold room in hell as punishment for making Bob do his job and not paying him very well is, and keeping it, keeping it cold. This right? is the worst. Type and of hell. this is, which is a weird sentence to say this, is the worst type of hell, but like, I hate the simplicity of it. And I also hate how, like, remember earlier when I talked about in another episode, how you could do this without the comment on the, the rich and stuff like that. And like, Mm-hmm. this is what i'm talking about this is where it's just like he's mean to bob so he's in hell you know like 
His way of looking at the world is bad, so he's in hell. And sure, the money is tied to it, but I just, everything about this afterlife is a bad choice to be in this movie. Not visually bad, and maybe not even cinematic, like from a, from like the way it's shot, bad. But like this is a bad choice to have this. Yeah, movie. yeah. In terms of storytelling, it it really falls flat for me. So, and I think Scrooge is is chained up, and they bring his chain in, and it's like massive. He's basically buried in this chain. He cannot move, and and it's okay, fine. Like oh, we get to see Scrooge's chain. But here's here's my overall issue. Having this sequence in here and having Scrooge actually go to hell and experience like hell for a couple of minutes and how nightmarish that is. And then he comes back and he's like, everything's great and I have a second chance. I, I It frustrates me because I feel like it doesn't actually force him to look at his choices and make a change. It's like, well, obviously hell is pretty bad so i'll do whatever i can to not go to hell but it has nothing to do with him like thinking oh maybe it's intrinsically better for me to be a charitable good person john it's the it's the rich man trying to get through the eye of a needle by melting down camels and putting the needle in the liquid that he has melted these camels into all right it's that oh I just need to do this and I get to go to heaven, right? Oh, so I'll just, oh, I, I, I hate it. I hate, hate, hate it. Uh, so Scrooge. That's a silent live joke, by the way, if anybody wants to actually deep dive research that Alec Baldwin. There you go. <laughs> um, John, it's exhausting. This ending of this movie. We are, yes, we are at the ending of re, we are at the ending of recording this. So we're a little drained, but we're doubly drained, John. Because it's so frustrating of an ending of a movie. And we jo- we talked about how if you make certain changes here or there to the movie, you have a really good Scrooge and a really good Christmas Carol movie. If this is what you have to take out this entire section, like you said, to save this ending of this film, because it, yeah. because it's that bad. You don't need. Just yeah, cause- yeah, because. Right. When this story is at its best, Scrooge sees that his life has been wasted at the end and wants a chance to rectify that before he dies. In this version, send, I feel like sending him to hell erases all of that because it makes all of his motivation. Well, I definitely don't want to be in hell, which makes it still about like what's best for Scrooge. And then the switch that we see. So he's all chained up to this pillar and Marley closes the door and he's screaming for help. And then suddenly he wakes up and it turns out he's actually just tangled up in his bed sheets. And we get, you know, that scene where, where he's like, Oh yay, I'm not dead. And they did it all in one night. And he sings a little bit of a song and he goes out into a street and this kid, this child is in danger because this crazy man in a nightgown runs up to him in the street and is like grabbing him and talking to him. Like it's not the same as him leaning out the window and being like, Hey kid, what day is it? Sick. Um, safe space distance with the window there like like he isn't yeah. just like not only are you doing exactly what the text said but you're making it not creepy by just having just a little bit of distance between this old man asking this kid to perform tasks for money why don't you have a seat right over there for me please you know like just a little bit of separation it goes a long way in this scene yeah and yeah 
And I mean, Albert Finney, so his reformed Scrooge, it interestingly still has like a lot of the crotchety like body language but, and stuff. He doesn't change the body language, but definitely like his attitude and demeanor. He's just like an excited, weird old man. And one little thing they do here that I like, and if you cut that scene in hell, I think I wouldn't be as put off by Scrooge being good now just because he saw hell, right? One thing they did here right. that I really liked was he went around the house and opened up every curtain to let light in yeah which yeah if they had leaned in on the light metaphor more would have hit more and i know why that's in there because i've gone through now at least in my life i don't know how many versions but just this podcast two different versions of a christmas carol like i get why the light's there but i don't know why it's there in this movie you know, like, yeah, it, they needed to see. Yeah. I mean, presumably because Scrooge has shut the world out and now he's right. It but in, the light is what he's not seeing the world. You know, like if he opens because he doesn't even go through the freaking window to talk to the kid. Like if he's doing it to open up to the world, then he needs to talk to the to kid through the window. But if he's doing it for light, that is another choice that's welcomed. But light isn't as big of a metaphor in this version as in others um frustrating i frustrating frustrating so scrooge so we have basically like a reprise of every song in this show starting with i like life so the song that he sang with the ghost of christmas present has now replaced i hate people and he's singing i like life and he's going around and he buys out like the toy store and the guy in the toy store is like what's going on with you and he's like i like life now and that's sort of the moral of the whole movie and like the kids who were terrorizing him at the beginning are now pulling him through the street on a sled and he's having so much fun and it goes on for freaking ever it's it's very long scene papa it's 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 yeah. another it's another oliver we need a big old dance scene and again i was expecting it and it's okay but it doesn't feel as earned and as we go along here the actions of this Scrooge, while maybe fun, and they're definitely not frugal. He's not, you know, holding on to, you know, he's not holding on to his money. It's not believable. Yeah, it's it's weird. And so, I know suspension of disbelief. I'm not sure what it is. Still, right? Yeah, yeah. So there is that element to it, right? Where it's supposed to just represent him having all this fun going out and like experiencing life. But it's like all these people following him. And he buys like a Santa Claus costume and then goes to Bob Cratchit's house and they don't recognize him at first. And he gives like dolls to the girls and and a couple toys to the boys. And he like forgets to give a gift to tiny Tim for a second, but then comes in. And I like that beat there because tiny Tim is upset. He didn't get a toy too often. Tiny Tim is the second coming. And I don't want that tiny Tim just needs to be a kid who has a good outlook on life, but is human. And I like that beat. Yeah, I did like that. Yeah. Um, But then he gives him like the world's most impractical toy. Where are you keeping that thing? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In the, in the Cratchit house, which is a shoebox. like, like Bob is pretty tall and it constantly looks like he's about to bang his head on the ceiling. So they bring in this giant, I mean, this thing has to be three or four feet wide, like mechanized carousel, which I would argue isn't a toy really toys were, just because it's toy sized it, toys were like the girls are going to play with dolls. His older brother got a bow and arrow. Well, John and tiny Tim gets this giant impractical carousel. I, I just remember being like, that looks impressive. Like, Oh look, tiny Tim got the biggest gift, but like, 
immediately my brain was like, well, they're going to have to sell that, obviously. Like, they're not going to keep that. Well, look, Tiny Tim can't run that much right now, so giving him bows and arrows and a cricket bat don't make any sense. But a toy that he can lie down in bed and play with on the side? That thing is the size of his bed. Well, he, <laughs> like, what's he going to do Well, look, it? Scrooge is actually thinking long term. He doesn't know if this kid's going to live or not because we don't get that line. We don't get the freaking lines in this thing, John. We don't know if Tiny Tim's going to make it. So he's betting on maybe Tiny Tim dying. So if he does die, sell that crotchet family and he can play with that in his deathbed. And I'm sorry, but it just hit me that we never got and Tiny Tim didn't die. Yeah. I mean, Scrooge says that like they're going to find Serenity now. Serenity now. So Scrooge in this scene, right, reveals that he's the secret Father Christmas and and it's okay. Like uh, this scene frustrates me because it's like I'm going to check in on Bob Cratchit's family and give them a bunch of gifts and um, I'll pay for Tiny Tim's medical care. And he's like, all right, see, I got other things to do, which I always like that interaction with Bob to be like the last thing that he does. It's not what happens here. It's fine. That was the choice that they made whatever he runs into his nephew and his nephew's wife like in the street like he doesn't intentionally go to their house they just happen to be passing by and he's like oh here's a gift sorry i've been such a jerk okay bye i gotta go keep singing and dancing and and in a weird way i kind of like this aspect of it but i don't it's because this movie's all that way i like this but i don't like that he's going through his closest relationships as this movie presents them Cratchit is third yeah. on that list. Yeah. Second is his nephew. Number one is Jacob Marley. And Jacob Marley gets the last goodbye in this movie. Well, yeah, so we'll get we'll get to that. Oh, in a I'm second. sorry, there's more BS to go before this, because this musical number is yeah, not over yet. He, <laughs> yeah, right. So he runs into he runs into Tom the soup guy and basically says like, oh, hey, Tom, you know that money you owe me? You don't owe me that. And he tears it out of his little ledger book, which kind of calls back to when Tom was tearing up the ledger book during the original rendition of Thank You Very Much. And then he releases everybody's debts, which to me feels like, yeah, Scrooge can be generous, but like that means that's his whole business. Like, how does that work? I don't know. That was a weird moment. See, to me. that's what a rich man like, thinks. put them on a payment plan. I See, don't know. See, that's what rich man thinks poor people need is just they just want me to get rid of all their debt. OK, like, well, uh, Jim, Jim, listen, I'm, I, have, I have a lot of student loan debt. So I'm, oh, if, don't get me wrong. If, if 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 Joe Biden wanted to get rid of him, I mean, I'm not going to argue if Joe Biden wants to get rid of my debt. I'm just saying, Joe Biden, if you're listening, like you can get rid of my debt. It's fine. Anyway, fair point. But I'm just saying it's not practical. Nobody believably. What she should say is, you're all, you know, you're all going to get it without any vig or like you're all going to get it without like, like you get like a two month extension or something like that. Or we're going to set up payment plans. Maybe that's too complicated of a thing to say, but I don't believe it's a good thing for anybody just to be like, I'm giving away all my money. No, Scrooge needs to live a life and I, he should be paid. The thing should be in some big way, and they didn't know how to do it, so that's why they gave him the damn book. And he shouts to them in this scene, the charity workers. The big, my bad moment for Ebenezer Scrooge on a huge scale is when he whispers a, by design, mystery amount of money to the charity workers. 
and says, and not a penny less because of its back taxes. And he's going to pay something probably less than that next year, but he's going to pay them and he's going to pay back the charities. And that's the way he's going to make amends. And he'll probably be nicer to everybody he's loaning money to. But nope, just my business literally torn up and thrown into the air for a big finale. Not believable. And I know it's a movie where we just had ghosts and goblins and all this weird stuff. And we had, we didn't even talk about the sex dungeon workers carrying his chain. All right. I forgot about that. Which, by the way, John, how in a minute, I'm going to pause for a second. In one minute, they hyped up that chain. I did not expect to see that chain. They hyped up that chain. I was like, oh, they're not even going to show it because they can't show it because what's being built up in my mind is way worse. Like, they're not quite done on it yet. Like, oh, good. It's better not to see it because you wouldn't make it that cool as it's going to be in my head. Immediately, immediately they show us this dollar store freaking chain. Like, it's, yeah, it's long and the they're, they're a little bigger, but it's like not infinite. Like if they, if they just kept pulling in chain, like you never saw the end of it. Fine. Even at the same, I know I've seen, I'm going to have to go and cut this back in there. Is that what's That's probably right true, now? but I know I've seen bewildered <laughs> and I know I seem like oh, he's just for a loss of words. I am at a loss for words. This entire movie is constantly setting up for something good and then not delivering or just making bad choices intermixed with a lot of good choices. <sighs> yeah. So anyway, <laughs> Scrooge kind of gets worn out with, um, they, they sing a reprise of thank you very much after he dissolves his business in the oh. street. And he eventually kind of gets worn out with it and like wanders back towards his house. And the ending is him like thanking Jacob Marley, who I want to remind everybody we just saw in hell and he's like, I don't know if you can hear me, Jacob, but thank you so much for like giving me the second chance on life. And he puts the Santa hat and the beard on like the knocker and goes inside. And the whole time I'm thinking, thanks, man. I'm sorry. You're in hell in you're suffering with Lucifer in hell, but thanks for giving me a second chance. And, and the movie does at least try to make that not seem so horrible. By saying, I don't know if it was real or I don't know if it was a dream, which is the first time I've actually kind of heard Scrooge say that he doesn't care what it was, but I'm a better person yeah. now, which that's good. That's good. And I like the putting the hat on uh, the doorknob and I like the beard going on the uh, Tony the Tiger doorknob he has there, which is yeah a choice. Um, I do like yeah. it's. The implications aren't great, but it's a nice it's a he says, I've got I've got to go see my family. So that's a nice idea. Like there's there's warmth to it, but immediately just hard cuts ends the movie. Well, and that brings us to the end. So we have a couple things we need to take care of. Uh, as always, at the end of this movie, we we like to give out a couple of uh, of awards, some positive, some negative. Uh, James. Mm. Who gets the prize turkey for this particular film for you? Who or what in this movie gets the prize turkey? This is a hard one because even the performances that I really liked have a lot of flaws to them. 
but I think I have to give it to Albert Finney. Um, just because the work he's putting into this, he is doing the most work out of any aspect of this film. And when that happens to an actor, when you're in a position where you are trying your damnedest in a frankly bad production of something, just for frame of reference, me and John are community theater actors. We do shows, you know, you can cut that John if you want, but when you're given that, it's frustrating because you don't have any help to tell you what not to do, right? There was nobody there that Finney either trusted or respected enough to tell him, yes, that's a good choice. That's not. Or you need to say this here. Finney needed a better director on this show. He needed a better, he needed better everything. And so while he is the best in this, in my opinion, um, it's just tainted because it couldn't be what it it it's tainted because it's not what it could have been. John, what about you? Fair enough. Um, so I I gave it to Alistair Sim last time, I think. Yeah, I think you have. And is that what I did? did either, I it was it either me Sim? or you. I know one of us had to. One of us did. Now I don't remember. Well, if you forget, friends, go back and listen to that episode of uh, Jacob Marley is Dead. Yeah, I'll probably cut that. So I was I was thinking about giving it to Albert Finney, but I also um, I feel like it's it's. It's going to be tough not to just give it to the actor playing Scrooge every time because they're usually going to be doing like the heavy lifting in these. So I think I my prize turkey this week goes to the thing in the movie that I just found the most entertaining, which was the actor playing the ghost of Christmas present. Just every line read that he had, he's not the best part of the movie, I would say, but his portrayal of the ghost and the way that the ghost is written, I found really like I was laughing out loud at a movie that otherwise I'm like, this is okay. Like I'm watching this and it's fine. Um, so for me, I think it's his performance in that role. Okay, okay, all right. So, John, who gets your coal, though? Right. So, we give out the prize turkey to the thing that we enjoy most in the movie. We're giving a lump of coal to something or someone in the movie that we feel is really dragging it down. And for me, my lump of coal goes to Scrooge in Hell. It's a scene that doesn't need to exist. It doesn't do anything to really further the plot. It undercuts a lot of the morality of the story by having it the focus really be Scrooge doesn't want to go to hell and that's why he turns his life around. It undermines Marley's character a little bit. It's weirdly jarring for this movie to have this, like you say, very 1970s horror movie hellscape. I think it ultimately is just a thing that doesn't need to be there. That's that's a good call. I think that is it's definitely the most out of place moment in the movie. Um, I was really, by the way, just to pause for a second, I was like, when I was looking at the time, I was like, oh, we've got a lot of time for the rest of the movie after he falls in the grave. I was like, okay, they're going to make up for lost time. I was afraid they were going to bring Isabella back. They didn't do that. Applauds movie. Well done. Um, but yeah, I was excited. And then hell just kept going and going and going. My coal. And I got a lot to choose from, so it's kind of hard. Um, the script is bad. Um, there's some really bad choices made. I don't like Scrooge's arc. I don't think it's earned. But my coal goes to the lyrics for these songs. 
they are just bad. They are bad. Cut that. That is not my goal. I realize what my goal is. It is the milk of humanity. The milk of humanity is my goal. Because I hate the implication. I hate that it's just get drunk and everything will be okay. I am sorry. I don't think that's I don't think that's a good lesson. I think it's it's a cop out to the fact that they didn't have Scrooge's development the way it should be. And it's just it's not explained. It's just said in one line. John, you did a better job here justifying it than the movie. And if that's the case, that means it was bad. Because the movie should be doing the work here. The movie should be selling me on what it's trying to do. Not you. It. So for my coal, the lyrics are bad. But the real coal here is the milk of humanity scene between the ghost okay. of Christmas past. Sorry, present and uh, Scrooge. Well, I feel like asking you this next question is almost a waste of time. James, do you see this movie in your Christmas future, or is this one that's going to stay in your Christmas past? And John, I think I'm going to shock you with this answer here. This one is in my Christmas future. because Interesting. And, and okay. here's why. I am going to watch this again in the future, and that's why I'm saying it. Like, I don't know if I'm going to watch the LSM version again, and there are other versions, and that's a better version. That's a better movie than this. I yeah. will, oh, yeah. I, and when I say Christmas future, it doesn't mean every Christmas I'm watching this. I will watch this again at some point because I have, I have to prove to people that this exists and I have to show them either little scenes here. Like this one, will be, a, I can clearly see you, me and a couple of friends of ours sitting around drinking the milk of humanity, watching this movie and laughing at it. I could see that. Why would I watch? A, it's so, it is so bad that it's good actually. It, and there's good in there to bring you along. Like, I'm going to rewatch that hell scene as much as I hate it to kind of be like, why is Sir Alan Guinness just like, like skipping through hell gleefully? Like, like, what's that? Did his contract say that he had to have two scenes and that's why it's in here? Like, uh, like, or was he injured from the rope so that this was the only time they could get him for reshoots? Like, I don't know. I don't know, and I need to understand this movie a little bit more. I've, I dreaded reviewing it because I didn't want to poo-poo on anybody's memories. I know this is a big Christmas movie, a big Christmas Carol movie for a lot of people. But it was bad, and I've got to understand it more. <laughs> so for, for research purposes, alone, you're putting alone, this in your Christmas and, future. And mocking, and mocking. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I would say I, I put this one in my Christmas future as well. I think that I may have a certain amount of nostalgia for it because it is one of the versions that I remembered watching when I was a kid and enjoying. So this is one like from my past that I've seen enough times that it kind of gives me like the warm nostalgia fuzzies. I, I think that it does. It makes a lot of choices that I think are not the best. I also think that I really I actually really love albert finney in this movie i really like a lot of like even 
even though like the ghost of Christmas past is not my favorite visual portrayal of that character thematically, like there are moments of it that I think are really funny. So like there are choices that this movie makes that entertain me enough and amuse me enough that if I stumble across it playing on TV or I'm in a certain situation, I might just put it on and enjoy it and not think too hard about it. I think that's that's my big thing. Other versions of A Christmas Carol I would put on and really like take in what it has to say. That is not this movie. Yeah, but this is a movie I would I would put it in my future for enjoyment's sake. This is a movie you could put in the background of a Christmas party and just laugh at it or genuinely enjoy it and just have it in the background. I don't think this, though, is. I think that this if if we're looking for like the definitive Christmas Carol movie, this is not it. This is not it by no. a country mile. And no. we'll find that version by the end of this, I think, like the perfect version of A Christmas Carol. I don't know which version that is. I'm sure it's not the one I think in my head right now. But regardless, we'll find that timeless version of A Christmas Carol through this process. Or make one with our own casting. This is not it. There we go. This is not it. This is. Do you think this was made purely for profit, John? I mean, it was a movie, so clearly profit was on the mind. But like. Did somebody set out with a vision for this or was Oliver a big hit and they tried to just make it off of money? I I think that a production like this has too many hands in the pot to say one way or the other. I think that there are a lot of people who are artists working on this, right? I read an interview with the kid who played Tiny Tim who said that both like Alec Guinness and Albert Finney, like all the people involved were like trying their best to make something that was very good. Well, no, the actors maybe made they're everybody's trying they're just making bad choices well yeah but i think everyone in the production from this interview and i mean granted this kid was eight at the time but everyone in the production was doing their best to make it a good thing who knows when you get to like the producer level like the the level of making the financial decisions about promoting the movie although like the cigar chomping guys who knows knows? and look i'm not naive enough I'm naive, but I'm not naive enough to not know that all movies are made for profit, but you need at the root of it, somebody with a vision and an understanding of the text It's when you're adapting something to make it not just a zombie version of what it's doing in an adaptation. You take something like, um, you take the Alan Sims version while profit was probably there. I'm getting a sense from that version. I mean, remember it, both these versions are made in the uk they're not american production but that one i really get in a sense like i don't know just this post-world war ii vibe in a weird way like doing the best we can because we made it out of the damn war and like mm-hmm. and maybe that's me putting that onto it but i don't get finny i get the passion from bad choices aside he's all in right Right. I don't get it from Bob Cratchit because they call him Robert in this movie. They call him Robert (laughs) Cratchit. And if you call Bob Cratchit Robert Cratchit, you can get the F out. (laughs) Well, James, Charles Dickens called him Robert. Shut up, John! We're done with the novella. Well, Jimmy, we spent what, three what, uh, episodes on that thing. We're done with it. All right. 
done with Bury it. it. It's, it's done. The author's dead. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, of course. I... Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy, what, what say we uh, cleanse our palate a little bit and tell our listeners at home what we're going to be watching next week? Are we watching a Christmas Carol? We are, James. We're watching A Christmas Carol, but we're going off the reservation a little bit. We are going to be watching our very first, how would you say this, kind of Christmas Carol adjacent. This is not going to be a true adaptation because we are going to be watching The Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. Yes! Okay, so I'll we'll go into this more next episode when we talk about why we're doing this movie and other movies of its kind. But I'm really excited to go into the structure of A Christmas Carol and all that entails. And this is the first time we're doing something like that. So I'm I'm really excited. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun because we've we've been talking about basically the same story. This will be our seventh episode. Oh, God. When this comes out, we're going to be at seven episodes. How are we almost at double digits? Like I we made it out of like, John, we made it past this one, which is if we can get past this Christmas Carol adaptation and we can then get past girl ghosts of girlfriends pass. I think we're good. I think we've, 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 we've jumped the hurdle here. We're actually a podcast. Now we're not just a bunch of guys saying we've got a podcast. Like we've actually yeah. got a podcast now. I, I, I do want to warn you, James, that I am, I'm holding the sort of Damocles. That is the 2019 guy Pierce movie series as a mini series actually above your head in this podcast because i cannot wait to show you that I but don't, I, that's going to be a long ways he, off everybody he's scaring me guys like i every time he brings that one up either in private conversation or here on this show i'm just like either i'm gonna love this or i'm gonna hate it and i don't know which one it is and i'm really really scared but i tell you what i need something to clean the palate after this one and i'm looking forward to it with ghosts of girlfriends pass uh, yeah i think it's going to be really good well, thank you for joining us and thank you for for sticking in. This this episode got uh, a little bit more off the rails than we usually do, but I guess this is what you can look forward to moving forward. And I think that was fine, um, John, when looking at the text, uh, you know, looking at not the text, when looking at this film, I think it was okay that we went off the rails a little bit because this movie went off the ra- this movie went to hell. This movie yeah, literally, literally went to hell and I didn't see it coming. Well, if you want to tell either of us to go to hell, you're welcome to do that at uh, our Gmail account, which is jacobmarleyisdead at gmail.com, or you can do it more publicly and tweet at us at uh, marleyisdeadpod on Twitter. Yep. Uh, James, if uh, they don't want to tell us to go to hell, what else can they do to support the podcast? They can leave us a five-star, 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 five-star review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere they listen to their podcast. They could leave us five stars, and that would help us out a ton. Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> we want to say a special thanks to Milo Newman, who provided our brand spanking new wonderful cover yeah, art. He's a good artist, that guy. Uh, a thank you to... Yeah, he, he does all right. Uh, a thank you to Ben DeVries, who uh, composed and arranged our uh, version of um, I Saw Three Ships, which we use for our opening, closing, and interstitial music. And we want to thank all of you for continuing to tune in to this bizarre experiment that we call 
Jacob Marley is Dead podcast. We really appreciate you if you're part of our our first collection of audience members, and we hope that you'll help grow the podcast by sharing it with friends. Like Jimmy said, giving us that five star review. Do what you can if you think um, what we're producing is any good at all, and you would like us to continue doing it. Um, help us build our audience. That'd be great. And keep that spirit going year round, friends. I know it's hard out there right now. It's cold. It's 2021, but. Uh, we're gonna, like John said at the beginning of this thing, we're trying to keep the Christmas spirit going the year round because uh, I think we all need it right about now. Definitely, definitely. Well, James, until next time, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. You like that? You, you like that <laughs> accent there? That was, that was up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com